You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. My heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself, like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, now and always. I'm Pastor Jason, and it's a joy to be with you this morning as we continue in our psalm series where we look at Psalm 131. But before we get uh, started, just in that, I've got a question for you. I'm wondering if you have a a playlist or a a number of songs that you listen to when you go traveling. We've been, uh, at least I've been noticing, a lot of people have been taking vacations. Some of those vacations are to, to faraway places, distant lands, and I wonder, as you travel, do you have a playlist, a set list that you listen to that's ex- kind of exclusive for that? If so, uh, could you call it out? You got, a, you got an album? You got a number of favorite songs? The Dixie Chicks. Way to go, Jake. Anything in particular? Just anyway, I know I'll just let that stay there. Crowder? Reba? Yeah? Peter Gabriel? Okay. Steely Dan. All kinds of... Say that again? Any kind of country? I still didn't hear it. I think I'm, going, I think I'm getting older. Huh? For king and country. I got it. Well, in, our, uh, in my family, I've got some kids that like stage musicals, theater kind of things. And so they've introduced me to all kinds of different um, music that I, I would not normally be aware of. And recently we, we uh, saw the, the show Finding, Finding Neverland. That's, yeah, that's it. I always kind of forget what the title of that show was, Finding Neverland. And at the end of the album, there's a song in there called Play. And when that song comes on, when we're traveling down the road, uh, it, it could be really dangerous, I suppose, for, for other people because I take the dial of the, of the radio and I just turn it up as loud as I can and then we sing it and, and there's a point in the song where it says, play, play, remember like it was yesterday when we were young and having fun, playing all our cares away, play, play, <clears throat> I'm going to forget it now, remember and you will see the world is so mysterious and wild. When you see it through the eyes of a child. Now, the beautiful thing about turning the volume up on the radio, thank you. The beautiful thing about turning it up on the radio is that I don't have to hear my wife say next to me, Be quiet, don't sing. 
You don't need it because because when it's loud enough, everybody sounds like they're in harmony, right? Whether you're on the melody, you're on harmony, you can just sing along. Um, every time that, so it's just got a great beat, it's got a great rhythm, but then also there's something about the message within that psalm that it comes back to me and reminding me of the things that Jesus said about the significance of having the heart of a child when we come into the presence of God, when we come to God. In fact, if we want to follow after God, we have to be somebody who has the heart of a child and is willing to engage in the wonder and the play of what God is up to. This morning, as we take a look at Psalm 131, you need to know, just sort of framework-wise, that that psalm is part of Israel's travel song. If you went and you opened up the psalms and started at 120 and you went to to Psalm 134, you would discover that those songs are songs of ascent. They didn't have iPods, but if they did, that's what they would have played as they traveled from wherever it was that they lived to Jerusalem. Some of them would have lived in northern Galilee. Some people would have lived in, uh, in Egypt. And as they would have heard a call to go to Jerusalem, three different significant occasions in, in a year at Passover, at what we today we call Pentecost or at the Feast of Tabernacles, they would have sung these songs. And songs just like the songs that we play in our own set list when we, when we go traveling, those songs have all kinds of different emotions. At one point, the psalmist early in, in Psalm 121, 120, is talking about a sense of anxiety because he knows that there's, there's hard steps ahead. And the psalmist doesn't really know Um, what kind of barriers are in their way, but they know they have a desire and a passion to go to Jerusalem because they long to fulfill the law and the invitation of God to come and worship, to come remember what God has done, to see what God has done, and to put their hope in the Lord. So the psalmist has all kinds of emotions along, uh, along the way of travel and within the psalms and their songs themselves. But as we come to 131, we come to a psalm where the psalmist has begun to have their spirit calmed, if you will. They're getting close, close to the temple, close to this place where the psalmist themselves knows that God has shown himself, God has revealed himself. God has done some things. He's provided some things in the life and in the story of Israel. And so the psalmist, with a a kind of calm confidence and a serenity, says these words, Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, Instead, I've calmed and quieted myself. Like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord now and always. The psalmist discovers or presents to us, I think, Three significant items for us to take in and consider. First off, the psalmist looks at their life. He says, I don't come with a 
prideful heart or a haughty heart. The psalmist, if you will, has a real sense of who they are, a real picture of their own significance. The psalmist doesn't have a great ego, nor does the psalmist look at their life as something that is insignificant or small or something that, that is something that can be looked over. The psalmist walks among mountains and dry places and desert places to come to Jerusalem. The psalmist, like many of us, when we go on a trip, we see all kinds of things. Sometimes they're great things like the mountains, whether the mountains of, of Colorado or the mountains up in Canada or the mountains that you might see if you go to a foreign country. They see the mountains and they know how, the psalmist knows how big and vast the world is in which we live. A few years ago, I heard that if you took all of the population of the world, at the time it was about six and a half billion people, you could put all the population of the world, six and a half billion people, in the area of the county of Los Angeles. We could stand shoulder to shoulder. Now you think about, we think about how many people are in the world, and yet we could all stand shoulder to shoulder in the county of Los Angeles. California. The psalmist sees that kind of experience in the world. The psalmist also doesn't go to a, another venue or another vein, which we often, another polarity which we often go to. Um, you know, he sees that God cares about him. He sees that he's significant. Not only has he got a right sense of himself, but he sees that he, he's significant. And life, the gift of life, the mystery of life, is something that he's called upon and we're called upon to embrace and to receive and to enjoy and to wonder in. We saw some videos of Vacation Bible School this past week. And Vacation Bible School was all kinds of fun and energy. A couple different days I got to be a part of the story time and one day I just popped in and heard Pastor Jim telling one of the stories. It was a story about Mary and Martha. And, and as he told that story, and, and the focus that day was, you know, a, a number of us, we have spirits inside of us, or we have an ambition inside of us where we want to be about the business of doing things. And so the invitation for the day, the sort of the Bible point that was presented to the kids was, when Jesus comes into our midst there are moments where we just need to quiet ourselves and be present to him. And I love the reality that, that the kids were really paying attention. They were putting themselves within the midst of the story. And there was a, one little boy who was sitting over and he was listening to Pastor Jim and he just said, I think i got to disagree with you there a little bit. He said, there's just things in life that have to be done. Uh, and he's like, that sense of a, of a Martha. And Pastor Jim just kind of had to work with it. He's like, you know, there are moments in life where you're right. There are things that have to be done. And yet there are moments in life when Jesus comes into the midst of us and we need to be like Mary. We need to just let dishes be dishes and, and pay attention to Jesus. The reality is, is that that little young boy was hearing this story. And it wasn't just a story that was back in the, in the sense of history, but it was a story that was engaging him where he was at right now. Or there was another little boy, when I was leading the lesson time, and we were doing a, an overview of all the lessons, and we got to the 
this one picture, and it was a picture of, of Jesus putting the ear back on one of the soldiers that had come to arrest him. And I said, so what was that story about? And this little boy said, that story was about a lawyer who chopped off an ear and Jesus put it back on. And I, I said, did you really say a lawyer? He said, a lawyer. I said, I've got some lawyer friends that will appreciate that story. They were seeing these stories like the psalmist does. It's a place for us to enter in to what God is doing and what God is up to. They saw these stories and they looked at their own life with a real sense of wonder. Not too high, not with a great deal of ego. Not low with self-loathing like there's no place for me. No, for all of us, there's a place as we draw near to God, as we seek after God. The psalmist has that sense, and then he says, he moves just a, a little bit, and he says, when I draw near to God, I'm like, he says, a weaned child. I'm comforted. I'm at peace. I'm at rest. We, in our own culture, tend to think about weaned kids as being maybe one-year-olds, two-year-olds, Still little kids that need a whole lot of attention and help. In the time that the psalmist would have written this, it is suggested and it is very possible that the age of the child that was talked about was maybe four or five. And I don't know what you think is the best age in life, but whenever somebody asks me, you know, what age do you wish you could be? I always say about four. There's an advantage of being the age four. Because you can do stuff, right? You can do all the things that kind of need to be done. You can put your shoes on. You can dress yourself, mostly. Um, you can, you know, if you're hungry, you can, you can get some food. You can go places. You can adventure. You can, you can enjoy. And yet, at the same time, if you fall asleep, your parents can pick you up and they can carry you to bed. You have a sense of capacity, and yet you have a sense like everybody else in my world is responsible. <laughs> Which is a very unique place to stay. Yet the psalmist, as he moves towards God, or she moves towards God, comes to this place of being quiet and restful, abiding in God's care, in God's protection, in God's God's guiding of the world, and yet having a sense of great capacity. So as the psalmist draws near to God, they have that sense of peace. The psalmist then turns to all of those of us who are traveling along with them. And he says, hope in the Lord, O Israel. Put your hope in God. The point of going to Jerusalem the point of making the journey was, on the one hand, to remember and to celebrate what God has, had done in Israel's history. At the same time, it was in recalling that, it was to speak that sense of God delivers us and God leads us and God cares for us into the things, into the unknown that is out in front of us, into the challenges that we've yet to encounter. And so we hope in the Lord, not just as something where we see God has worked in the past, but we hope in the Lord into the future, knowing that God has worked. So the writer writes, hope in the Lord. A year ago, I was privileged to go to the land of Israel and to walk in some of the places where the psalmist walked. One of those 
interesting things that we got to see was we got to see a wall that was constructed by King Hezekiah about 700 years before the time of Christ. And it's fascinating to walk in those places and to see how God led somebody like King Hezekiah to care about people who were refugees in the world of his time and to expand the walls of Jerusalem so that there would be a safe place in the world for those who were refugees. That wall said something. Not only about God's hand of protection deliverance 700 years before the time of Jesus, but also began to speak into my own heart and mind about how we think about walls and how we think about people who are refugees today. We got to go into the northern part of, of Israel, in, uh, beyond Galilee, really. And we got to look over from the boundary line of of Israel into Syria and at the time our guide said you know as we look over into that land of Syria we don't really know who controls the land and this ancient land this land of the stories of Jesus the stories of the Bible suddenly that sense of peace and war was was present right before us we got to walk around the old city of David and we saw people there who spoke all kinds of different languages, held all kinds of different beliefs. I've never walked around in a city where there were so many guns, so many people armed. And yet, to be honest, friends, I've never felt so safe, so at peace, so hopeful. A friend and I, Soren, we were roommates for this journey, Soren and I walked almost everywhere at any time of the day that we wanted to in Jerusalem. And at this time, of the, we were sitting at a cafe enjoying lattes. And both of us, Soren and I, we both had events happening in our worlds that were concerning to us, heavy upon our hearts. I was, I was getting ready to come back and celebrate my oldest son's graduation. And when your son gets ready to go off to college, your kids get ready to go off to college, that puts you at a new point in life. And there's stuff on the inside of your heart that you're working through. Soren is from Romania. And as we'd go back to our beds at night, Soren would get out his, his iPad and he'd watch as the parliament in his own country of Romania worked through whether or not they were going to release the president. Soren had great questions happening about what was in his own country. And yet we walked around Jerusalem, seeing where God had worked, seeing God's promises, hearing God's sense of hope. For us, for Soren and I, lattes became a marker of hope. In fact, every, every time I have a latte after this event, I tend to take a picture of it, and I send it to Soren with a note. Buddy, I'm praying for you, thinking about you, remembering what we encountered together as we saw places where God was at work. Do you have something that's a marker of hope in your own life? 
Maybe it's a song. Maybe it's a memento of a trip you took. Maybe it's a place that you go to or a smell that you encounter. But do you have a marker of hope, a reminder that God has worked on your behalf? Those are powerful things. Some of us, some of us are encountering great challenges in the midst of our life right now. Or if we're not encountering a challenge, we will, because challenges always come. Those markers of hope can be things we go back to and remind ourselves that God is at work. But as we face the challenge, I wonder if, and those of you who are in that moment, I wonder if you would consider your own heart, your own spirit as being at rest, like a weaned child at play around God's house. One of, the, um, one of the things I did with the kids when I told them the story was I sat down with them and I invited them to go to their place of imagination. I said, I don't know how you really get to that place, but I said, go to that place of imagination. One of the kids beside me said, you know, when we graduate, they take your imagination away from you. said, I hope not. I hope you all have your imagination as you grow old. Because the imagination is God's gift to us. But if you could, go to your place of imagination. I invited them and I said, hold out your hands in front of you. Many of us know what it's like to hold a screen in front of us, right? But imagine if you could go to your place of imagination And whatever it is that's concerning you, weighing heavy on your heart, that's a challenge, that's a problem, you can't figure it out. Imagine if on your hands in front of you there's a screen or a billboard. And you see the words fly up there. Or the picture flies up there. And then you simply say to God, Help me, Lord. Take this thing, Lord. Help me, Jesus. We just sat with it. Like a child, four or five years old, trusting in the kindness of God, our parent, who loves us and cares about us. The psalmist starts off by saying, I'm coming to Jerusalem, not proud, not afraid. I think the psalmist is able to come to Jerusalem because the psalmist has been hearing God call his or her name. Jesus walks along the seashore. And he doesn't just call a bunch of disciples, but he says Peter and John, Simon and Andrew. Jesus calls my name and he calls your name. He says, Diane, 
This is Travis. This is Jeff. This is Kayla. He calls our name. When Jesus calls our name, friends, whatever the challenges are, whatever the burdens are, we can rest, we can be at peace, we can have hope. If you haven't heard Jesus call your name in a while, I just want to say to you, you're invited to stay in this place and to listen or talk with somebody else. Talk with Pastor Bob or myself or somebody else who's following after Jesus. Because the thing that transforms our world, that sets our world apart with hope, is when we hear God call our name and we respond with a follow, a follow, a follow. Jesus, thanks for today. Thanks for the journeys and the travels of life that you take us on. Thanks for the things that we get to see and the adventures we get to have. And thank you that in the midst of all of it, when we listen, when we begin to draw to you, you call our name and you give us hope for the journey. Give us that hope today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.